Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today, as Brother Toby's already said, we're going to be talking about who belongs. If you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. I'm going to read one scripture and then you can be seated. Mark 10 and 45, the Bible says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You may be seated. Today, as, as Brother Tobe, he's already talked about, you know, there's, there's many people that are, that are hurting and many people that are they're out there that, that needs a touch from someone. And today we're talking about who belongs God loves and cares for those whom the world overlooks. The ones that the world don't have think, think is good enough. That's the one God loves. Today my prayer, and it should be all of our prayer today, is we should be looking for ways to lovingly serve those who are hurting. As Brother Toby shared a testimony of, 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 of his own testimony, and, and we should be looking for that every day. As Christians, that should be, should be our our, our goal for every day is, is to reach someone that is hurting. Reach someone that, that needs someone, maybe just needed, like Brother Toby said, just needs a, a, a shoulder to lean on or somebody just needs a hug or just needs a kind word said into their life. Because there's people in this world today that's going through life every day. And we don't, we don't, we don't understand. Sometimes we're, we're, we work on the job beside them or we may see them in a grocery store and you may see a look on their face and you know that something may be going, going on in their life, but they may have just lost a loved one or they may just lost this or that in their life. They may just lost their job or, you know, so they just may need a kind word. And so sometimes just a kind word can go a long ways. And today that is what we should be looking. We should be looking for those that are hurting. Who belongs? That's the, the, the title of our, our lesson today. And, and, the, and the truth of that is everyone, those with little or with those that with much, is welcome in the kingdom of God. And that is so much powerful. It doesn't matter who you come, where you come from. And I know I'm going to talk about that a little bit more today. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But, but it doesn't matter how, how rich you are. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God. William Booth was, is the founder of the Salvation Army, and he was known for many passionate commitments, his passionate commitment and his loving and serving of people. He, he particularly, the poorest residents in the poorest, from the poorest sections of London, that is the people he reached out to, the founder of the Salvation Army. Many inspiring quotes about evangelism and Christian service has been attributed to, to William Booth. But one of the most insightful quotes that he made was to him was also one of the shortest. In 1910, the leaders of the Salvation Army invited the aging Booth to address their annual convention scheduled 
to convene during the Christmas season. Booth's health had deteriorated so much that he was not even able to attend their invitation. He, he even died just two, day, two years later after this convention. Since he could not be present, the meeting's organizers asked him to, to send a telegram to be read to the ones that attended. Sending, them, sending messages via telegram was costly, a costly method of communication back in the days. So Booth's remarks would have to be brief. A telegraph operator, he charged by the word, and the ministry's funds were limited. So William Booth would have to find some way to inspire his fellow workers using as few words as possible. According to the story, Booth pondered what he could say. What could he say that would communicate what he felt? That he had inspired him to devote his life to ministering to the needs of hurting people. What could he say in just a few words? Because he said he knew his, his finances was limited. So he pondered about what he could say. He wanted to say something to motivate the Salvation Army's personnel who had selfishly given their time and energy during the coldest and dark months of that year to serve the poorest and the most vulnerable neighbors. When the day of the convention arrived, the meeting hall was filled to capacity with delegates eager to hear their founders' encouraging words. When it was announced that Booth was not able to attend the, pre- the conference, this disappointed the crowd. But spirits lifted when someone opened the telegram from Booth. And the, the moderator prepared to read the founder's remarks. On the telegram, Booth shared a, one single word. A word that completely summarized his whole life's work. And the vision he had for the organization that he had founded. The message simply read, others, others. That single word summarized what motivated the ministry of Jesus Christ also. But this this one word, others, put others first. But all he said was others. And so this this word here motivated them. Jesus outlined his ministry and missions in a simple statement to his disciples And he said in Mark 10 and 45, says, For even the Son of Man, I already read this one time, but the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Who belongs? In God's kingdom, everyone belongs. God's grace is not limited to just a few. It's not just limited to the the ones that dress as nice. It's not just limited to the ones that that just knows how to stand behind the pulpit. It's not just listed to the ones that everybody the society wants. It's it's everyone belongs. God's grace is limited to not limited to any particular grace. It's not limited to any particular financial arrangement. It's it's limited to no one. The Bible closes with the invitation to whosoever will. In Revelations, it says, whosoever will. That, don't, that, that opens the door for everyone. It opens the one to every class, every, every race. Everyone can freely drink from the living water that Jesus offers, regardless of your gender, regardless of your national origin, your ethnic identity, or your social status. It doesn't matter. You're freely to drink from this cup. You're freely to receive this Holy Ghost. You're freely to receive what God has for your life. 
It doesn't matter where you're from, where you look like, what, you, what your financial bank account looks like. It, it doesn't matter any of that. Because God says, for whosoever shall, whoever will. Jesus went out, on, went out of his way to minister to outsiders. When you read through Jesus' ministry, he didn't just minister to the elite group. He didn't just minister to the kings and the, the leaders of the day. Jesus went out of his way to minister to outsiders who was, had been rejected by the religious and culture establishments or to, to, the, to the religious and the culture people. They, they, everybody that had been rejected, that's who Jesus ministered to. He stopped by a well in Samaria to minister to a Samaritan woman living in adultery. Jesus traveled to the Gentile lands where he casted out a devil out of a woman's daughter. He even, he even called an evil, evil tax collector named Zacchaeus out of a sycamore tree and then went home with him and had dinner with him, causing the whole community to question Jesus' choice of company. It didn't matter to Jesus who, what their status was. It didn't matter what they had done in their life. Jesus, he, he, had, he did, had dinner with this, this tax collector. He had dinners with Zacchaeus. It didn't matter what everybody else thought. It didn't matter what everybody else thought about him going and having dinner with this guy, hanging out with this Samaritan, there was this lady that was been caught with adultery. It didn't matter what he was found because he was there to reach the hurting. Jesus never apologized for loving people, especially the people everyone else seemed to found distasteful. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't apologize for loving them. He, didn't, he didn't, didn't just go by them and just go on by them. And one single chapter in the Gospel of Mark makes it clear that Jesus loved and cared for everyone, no matter the person's status or their station in life. In Mark 10, Jesus ministered to individuals from three different walks of life. And I'm going to talk about each one of these different walks. The first one he talked about is children. He ministered to the children. Then he missed to a rich young ruler and then a blind beggar named Barnabas. Parents seem to be excited to bring their children to meet Jesus. You're here in the, we find the gospel, they bring in their children to meet Jesus and they brought them to him. In our culture, the way we live today, we expect the politicians and the preachers to kiss and hold the babies and give the babies candy and we, you know, in our in our society, we we feel you know that's what you know we thought we we've kind of said that you know the politicians they're gonna hold the babies and kiss the you know kiss the babies and and do these things you know to the children you, you reach the children you reach the the parents and so in that society that's kind of that's kind of what the case but that wasn't the case in the first century children children in Jesus's day were considered unimportant they didn't they didn't matter in Greek and Roman cultures. Emphasize was common and culturally accepted. They just did away with babies that they didn't want. Wicked King Herod murdered baby boys in Bethlehem seemingly without even a second thought. Today, despite what some may argue, today's widespread acceptance of abortion reveals that the 21st century North American attitudes toward children are not really that much different. That is a bold statement today, but, but that is so much true. Sometimes we, we've, in this in that statement, we see some secular people thinks children doesn't matter. 
But Jesus' disciples had adopted this and prevailing attitude of their culture because they had responded in this intrusion of Jesus' time with a rebuke for the children and their parents. You know, when they brought their children to Jesus, they thought that that was a, you know, they had accepted this response. They respected this, what everybody else thought of children. And here they were just saying, you know, Jesus don't have time for these children. You know, y'all wasting this time. He, he's got better and more important things to do. But imagine their surprise when Jesus offered his own rebuke. Here they were rebuking the children, telling them to get, get out of the way. Y'all are in the way. Y'all holding up Jesus from doing what he needs to do. And then Jesus rebukes them. In Mark 10 and 14, he says, Suffer the little children to come to unto me, and forbid them not, for as such is the kingdom of God. In the same verse, Mark records that Jesus was much, much displeased with his disciples, lacking of love and for compassion for children. Jesus is still not pleased with those who neglect the well-being of children. Today, Jesus, someone that mistreats a child, I feel like that is one of the most things you can, worst things you can do. Because Jesus, because the, the ones that's, that's vulnerable, the ones that can't help themselves, I feel like Jesus, he has a, a strong thing in his heart for children. Sadly, the mental and physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of the youngest members of our society are often sacrificed on the altar for career advancements. They're, 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 they're sacrificed on the altar for money, for other temporal distractions. You know, we, we, we get our careers worried about our, some parents are worried about their careers to the point that they just throw their kids off to the side. Don't matter what their well-being or their education, doesn't matter just as long as I can go to job. And, and today, you know, they, they, they just put their kids wherever they can, somebody to take care of their kid while they can go do what they want to do. And that is, just, I think that's a mindset in our society is, their children is not as important as my job because they spend more hours at the job and I know they have to work to supply the needs but, but sometimes in life, you know, we put our jobs ahead of, or as a society, we put our jobs ahead of our children. We put our hobbies ahead of our children. There's fathers and I feel like that's something wrong with our society today is because the absence of the father because he's worried about working an extra job or to have that extra boat or that extra thing in life. Sometimes in life, you know, we, we, we neglect the most valuable thing we have. The most, as a parent, the most valuable resource we have is our children. We should put everything we have in our children. Our, our God loves and cares for every child. He includes the fatherless, the orphan, the abused, even the unborn baby in the womb. God loves and cares for every child. This next statement is pretty bold, but how we treat the youngest and most vulnerable members of society is a direct reflection of our attitude toward Jesus. How we treat our children, how we treat the vulnerable in our society. In Matthew 25, when we use this scripture so many times as, as we do into others, we do it as into Jesus. But when we do that, we do that sometimes, you know, we, we, we do that when we say, well, yeah, I helped this one out, so I'm doing this to Jesus. You know, we, if I, you know, the scripture goes through a list of things that you know in Matthew 25, where if you do it unto the least of them, Jesus says you did it unto me. And we do that. We we share that scripture when we want to say, kind of pat ourselves on the back when we when we did it to the least of them. 
You know, we doing we doing this like I'm doing this into them as I'm doing it into Jesus. But what if we treat that child? If we take that scripture on the other side, the flip side of that, and when we say we as we what we how we treat that child, or how we treat that vulnerable person in our life, are we treating them the same way we would treat Jesus? So I believe sometimes I think we're going to be held accountable for how we treat the vulnerable, how we treat the the child or the the vulnerable people in our life because Jesus says, as you do it unto the least of them. And so I feel like how we treat them is we're going to be held accountable for. Not long after the story of the the children, Jesus encountered a man who has come to be known as the rich young ruler. This man seemed to have everything going for him. He was rich and he was in some areas of authority. He did not fit the same demographic as, or profile as Jesus' disciples who were mostly common men without much wealth or much power. We find this man, the disciples may have been impressed by this man's pre- prestigious standing in society or by his money. Much like most people today are awed by the wealth and the celebrity of people. You know, sometimes, you know, that's the, you know, and I'm not just saying that about our about church, but I'm saying sometimes people, we look at certain people. We say, that's the one we need to reach. We need to reach the guy that's got all the money and, you know, he would bless the church so well and he would do so much things. Sometimes we get awed and we get impressed with that, that rich person or that most famous person or that the mayor or the, the, the senator or a president or something. We, we, we say, well, if we can just get them to come to our church, we'll be done it. Sometimes that's, as the disciples, they may have been, I'm not saying they were, but they may have been impressed with, with this man's his standing in society or by his money. But Jesus was not awed by his, the rich man ruler's wealth or his power or his perceived righteousness. Jesus didn't care about none of that because Jesus could see his heart. Jesus wants someone that's hungry. Neither was Jesus intimidated by his social standing. It didn't matter that Jesus said he was an authority figure. That didn't matter to Jesus. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, we find him you know, reaching into lost souls. Jesus simply just loved him. And I'm going to talk more about him in just a few more minutes about the ending of this story. But you know, Jesus loved him no matter what he did. He loved him just like he loved the Samaritan lady at the well. He loved him the same way as he loved the children. And every person that you know Jesus loves, he loves them the same way. But sometimes that love is not reciprocated back. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem and to the cross, Mark, Mark records one more overlooked person that Jesus cared for. As Jesus was leaving Jericho, he was interrupted again, this time by the cries of a blind beggar named Barnabas. The crowd accompanied Jesus trying to shame the blind man unto silence. But Barnabas would not deny, be denied his effort to get Jesus' attention. As Mark wrote, he cried the more great deal, more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. In Mark 10 and 48, the desperation in Barnabas' voice arrested Jesus' attention. Brother Reese preached last night about that desperation. When you get desperate, it doesn't matter what you're facing. When you get desperate, God hears your cry. If you get desperate enough, it's going to change your destination. 
And that was his title of his message last night. And when you get desperate enough, God's going to hear your cry. He's going to hear your cry wherever you're at. He's going to hear your situation. He knows where you're at. But if you get desperate enough, what that does, when you get desperate enough, that you take away your flesh. And you start reaching to God. You start wanting to, allowing Him to take control. You, you start trying to do it on your own. You start giving it all to Him. When you get desperate, Barnabas' voice, it arrested Jesus' attention. Because He knew Barnabas was not going to back down. He, and that, that voice, and his voice, the noise of the crowd and the bustle of the nearby city could not drown out his desperation. It could not d- drown out it. The love Jesus had for hurting people caused him to put his other plans on hold. You know, Jesus was going to the, he, was, he knew where he was going. He was going to the cross to save for salvation for many, for salvation for me and you today. But that desperation that was in this blind man, this blind beggar on the side of the street, this desperation in his voice stopped our Lord. Stopped him in his tracks. And he turned back and he says, well, I'll take care of that situation a little bit later. But right now, I got I to deal with this desperation. He stopped and he commanded the crowd to call this beggar to him. As a blind beggar, he was likely used, used to being ignored. How many times do you reckon he had been sitting beside this road and he had begged and people had just kept walking right on by? Probably times that he had probably, in, in, de- in his desperation, but times before, when he saw someone going by in a nice suit and nice dress clothes and know that, know that they had the, the means to help him financially and they just ignored him and kept walking. Most people tried to hurry by him as quickly as possible. You know, sometimes their typical response is akin to what most of us do when we see a roadside panhandler. We do like most of these people sometimes. We go by them sometimes and pretend not even to notice. And I know roadside beggars is, is, is kind of, we have a different look at them today because we know some people has abused that. But I'm here today to tell you sometimes we go by people on our daily jobs and we, we can feel that they have a need in their life and we pretend we don't see that. We come down, we walk by them and we pretend we don't notice. We notice there's something not right. We notice there's something in their life that's not just kosher. And we just say, well, if we, we, we get in our mind if we just look the other way. It, we'll ignore it. It'll be all okay. But in our day, people keep the car windows rolled up and avoid eye contact and pray that the red light turns green quickly when we stop at the corner. Today, I'm guilty. I did the same very thing. Think about, Lord, let that light turn green before I get there where that guy don't tap on my window and beg for money. But how about if that person was, as Scripture says, as Jesus was sitting there. What if he needed more than just money that he was tapping on? He needs salvation. Just as much as the rich man and the lawyer and the, and the people does. He needs salvation. In our day, people in life, we just ignore situations. But not Jesus. He was on his way to save the world from sin. But he made time for the blind beggar that everyone else was trying to silence. 
Yeah, here he was. He, he knew his task ahead of him. He knew he was going to take away the sin of the world. Big, big things to do. But he made time for a blind beggar that everyone else was trying to silence. Jesus did not overlook the one while he was on the way to save the many. And that is a powerful statement. He did, that's how, that was Jesus' spirit. You know, we, we know the parable of the sheep. He left the 99 for the one and rejoiced over the one. And so sometimes in life, I'm glad he, re, he, he allowed in my life, I'm glad he allowed to let, went ahead and came back for the one and saved my life and, and picked me up multiple times in my life and, and set me back on the straight, narrow. God is, he, he, he cares about every one of us. Yes, he is, he took up the sin for the world, but he cares for everyone in this place today. Everyone in, the, in this world today, he cares for them and he has time for them. Jesus transferred this blind beggar from the side of the highway into a walking testimony. Today, I could pass this mic around and probably here today, we could probably find ourselves in this same scenario where Jesus had time for us when nobody else did. When we was, we was dying in our sin and Jesus was going to take care of other things, but, but when we got desperate enough, that Jesus turned around and he picked us up and he made us a walking testimony. He healed our bodies or he saved us from soul. He delivered us from things in our life because he reached back for us and he made us a walking testimony just like he did this blind beggar off the side of the road. Of course, the kindest and most compassionate thing that we all can do for others is to share the gospel with them. People need to hear about God who loves them so much. He came to earth and went to the cross for them. And we need to tell them that. If we are looking for a way to help others, we should begin by sharing the message of eternal salvation. Last night, this is not in my notes tonight, but I just feel like to share this testimony. I didn't even spoke, told you shared it with my wife. But last night when we was waiting before church there, we was waiting, and um, I walked over to the store, the new store there beside the church, the one that fixed, fixed the church parking or around the church and made the church grass, new grass around the church and everything, the new big store there. I walked over to use the restroom. And as I walked in the restroom, there was a young gentleman walked in behind me. And me and him was standing there at the sink waiting to wash our hands. And, and we were standing there and we got to talking. And I just said, how you doing? You know, just, just kind of spoke, you know. And, and he said, I'm doing good. God is good. And, and I, I, so I just started talking to him. He was traveling through town. He was just, he was not even from there. He was just actually passing through. And our paths just happened to cross right there in that restroom. And we talked about the goodness of God. I shared just, I said, God is good. He said, God is good. And I said, yes, he is. And we just, just a few minutes, we talked about God. And we both of us parted ways. But I said, you know, I shared, you know, I said, God, you just have to trust God for everything you do. And we just kind of, just a few things. And I think, well, that was a moment that God allowed our paths to cross. I mean, I probably will never see that guy again. There's a good possibility I'll never see that guy again because he wasn't even from Chiefland or he's I don't even know where he was from. But they were just passing through. And he, but me and him, his paths cross. And I shared a little bit of Jesus with him. And so sometimes in life, you know, God allows us, we don't know what that, I don't know what that guy was going through. I don't know where that guy was headed. But God does. And God knew that our paths needed to cross right then. And we, I shared an encouraging word with him. And he's kind of, he was like, thank you. And we walked off and, 
never, probably never see each other again, but God allowed our paths to cross for just a moment. And I think that happens more than we, we allow in our that we realize in life. It may not be in a restroom, it may be in a store, or maybe wherever it may be. But, but I've learned a long time ago, wherever my path crossed with people, that's the time to share God's word. And I know there's, time, there's times and places, but God is, is, is doing some great things. God is wanting us to be messengers for him. Jesus did not just have feelings in his heart toward others, but his actions demonstrated his love. He didn't just have love for people in his heart, but he, he, he put forth that action, and that demonstrated his love. He summed up his intentions in Mark 10 and 45, and I know I've read this scripture already once, but what he said, when he said, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. And for us to be an example of Jesus in, in today's life, I know we come to church to be ministered to. But we can't just be ministered to all the time. We have to be ministered to the hurting. We're called to every one of us here today. You may not never stand behind a pulpit. You may not never stand teaching a class or anything like that. But we're, every one of us is called to minister and to give our life for a ransom for the, for the lost, for the hurting, the hungry. Jesus was willing to give everything, even his life, just to minister to others. And today we must be willing to do the same. Jesus' love and compassion was not limited to his family or to his friends or just to his followers. Jesus, he, his, his compassion wasn't just limited, it wasn't limited to just a certain people that he knew. His and so is, uh, so is our compassion. Our compassion has to go past just the people that we know. It has to go past more than just our family and our friends. The people we know their situation. Has someone ever been burnt by someone you give compassion to? Probably every one of us has. But we still got to have compassion for the hurting. Have I gave money to someone that I thought probably didn't really need it? Did they come up with this big scheme or this big thing in my life? Multiple times, I can tell you. But that, we can't allow that to affect us for, for the next person. Because the next person, God may be put in our path so we can bless them. So that he can bless them through us. And so we must, be, we must be still have compassion for, for others. The writers of the gospel made it clear that Jesus loved everyone. Love motivated everything that Jesus did. His love for people. His love for humanity. It, 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 it motivated everything that he did in life. Matthew summed up Jesus' itinerary by saying, in Matthew 9 and 35, he says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He did not stay on the road preaching because he wanted to build his name or his brand or because he expected a financial payoff at the end. He didn't, he didn't go down the road and minister to people a healing ministry just to, 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 to enlarge his banking account. Jesus did it because he loved people. Rather, as Matthew wrote in the following verse, in verse 36, he said, when he saw the multitudes, 
He was moved with compassion on them. That's why Jesus did what he did. He walked down the dirty road. He didn't have a nice car or air-conditioned car to ride from city to city. or He didn't have this entourage to go through from city to city. He walked and rode donkeys or he, however he got there. He had to put some physical into that. But he did it because he loved and had compassion on people. Compassion moved Jesus. His love for more than a, was more than a feeling. He expressed it through his action. If we truly love people like we say we do, then our actions will show that. You know, we, we go around, I love you. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I love this. You know, we talk about that all the time, but do we really truly love? Because if we really truly love like we say we do, then our actions will show that. Sadly, Jesus' love, and back to the rich young ruler, sadly, Jesus' love was not always reciprocated. Jesus' love did not make everyone happy. The end of the rich young ruler's story in, that followed in, verse of, in verses in Mark chapter 10, 10 and 22 said, And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions here Jesus was showing him love real love does not always lead to rosy outcomes Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth and he loved them enough in the end he was crucified by those that did not want to hear the truth so here Jesus was, we talk about Jesus and he, we talk about his great ministry and he, how he loved and he healed people. But some of these people didn't want to hear truth. Right. And that's the ones that put him on a cross. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he repeatedly called his followers to show the love through their acts of service. And so we, we find, you know, we find the rich ruler not willing to, to give up his possessions. Not willing to, to do things, but he, he thought he had everything he needed. And sometimes in society we find that we find that same mindset. Well, I don't I don't have time for Jesus. I don't I don't need Jesus. I got everything I need. And that is a dangerous place to be. At one point he told them, talking about to his ministry, he said in Matthew 2, 10 and 42, he says, Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of the these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you. He shall in no wise lose his reward. Jesus promised the most smallest act of service would not go unnoticed. Later in the same gospel, Jesus told a story of a sheep and goats. Sheep were the, the ones that followed the shepherd, and they was to do his will. And goats were those who did not. Today I ask you a question, a pointed question. Today are you a sheep or are you a goat? Do you follow what the shepherd, the master shepherd wants? Or do you do what you want to do? That's what the difference between a sheep and a goat. The sheep follows the shepherd. The goat goes in his own way. He concluded Matthew 25 by saying, In as much as ye shall have done unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. When we serve others, we are truly serving Jesus. When we give that person... Well, you say $20 for gas, but you better probably say $50 for gas anymore or to even get them enough to get down the street as ways. But, but if you give them that, that amount of money to get gas, you're doing it to Jesus. If they abuse that, 
That's on them. That's how I told my wife sometimes when we give them people. That's how I look at it. If I, if I give them the money and they abuse that, most of the time I don't give them hand, hand them cash, but most of the time I put gas in their tank or I do that. Or they, and I, so I know they still can abuse that situation. But when I give something to someone, it's not on me no more. I did what God, if I feel that to give it to them, I give it to them. And if, if then I'm not just trying to pat in my pocket today. I'm just telling you today, that's how I look at things. When you give it to them, you give it to Jesus. And that's how we should look at things. If we give it to that beggar side of the street, if he's there, he may have a $200,000 home and a $40,000 car sitting in the parking lot and be out there in these clothes. But if we give it to him with the right spirit, we're giving it to Jesus. If he abuses that, that's on him. God will take care of that. Perhaps sometimes in life, you know, we must give it to Jesus. Perhaps our first step should be dedicating some of our resources to serving others. Can we set aside a few dollars a month to give someone that has an unexpected need? I think as Christians sometimes, and I'm not here to pastor, I'm not trying to do that today, but I'm just saying in my own life, I try to, we try to we think about this. Can we just set aside a few dollars a month just to, to help others? Or can we block off an afternoon each month to serve others in our life or our community? Jesus promised if we will seek, he will, we will find. This can, can be applied to services as well as to prayer. When we seek something, we seek, when we seek someone to help, God will always supply that needs. If we look for opportunities to do good, God will provide them opportunities. If you want to be a blessing to someone and you really earnestly want to be a blessing to someone, God will provide that need in your life. Let us be like Jesus. Let us pray for God to lead us to find someone to serve. One parable in the Gospel of Luke still serves as one of the greatest stories of care and compassion for others. The story says as a religious scholar stepped forward to ask Jesus a question. But like Jesus, he answered with a question of his own. The scholar quoted in Leviticus 19 and 18 where God commanded the people of Israel to love thy neighbor as thyself. Then the scholar asked, who is, thy neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus responded by telling the parable of a good Samaritan. Jesus began, a man was traveling, and I know, I know the story's familiar, but I'm just going to kind of hit the high points of it. A man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by a vicious band of thieves. They beat him half to death and left him lying alongside the road to die from his wounds. Soon a priest and a Levite traveled down the same road. Both of these men were preoccupied with their religious duties, and they failed to notice the bleeding man lying beside the, the road. Or maybe that's the best case scenario. Maybe that's why they were busy. Or was it because they was callously ignoring him? Either way, they walked right past him without even asking if he was all right. Thankful there was another traveler came along, but then <clears throat> there was a Samaritan. And the, the, the mention of a Samaritan caused Jesus' audience to begin to wince and to, to get uncomfortable because, you know, Jews hated the Samaritans. Thankful for the wounded man, the Samaritan was not as cold-hearted as the Jewish priest and the Levite. When the Samaritan saw the wounded man, he had compassion on him. This surprised Jesus' Jewish audience. 
The Samaritan provided emergency medical treatment to stabilize the man's condition before transporting him to safety where he could receive additional care. You know, since health care or government-funded medical care was not part of the daily life in that day, paying for the cost of treatment fell upon the Samaritan. He was willingly shouldering the financial burden for this man, his medical bills. Today, in closing, I ask, who is your neighbor? Who is our neighbor? According to Jesus, our neighbor is anyone we meet along, along the road of life. Regardless of his identity or his present condition, Jesus calls us, every one of us, to get personally involved. He reminds us, as I've already read the scripture multiple times today, and Mark 10 and 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so today that scripture should be our, our goal today. Yeah, we're ministered to, but we must minister to others. Today as we stand across this place, I ask us today, being like Jesus means ministering to others. No matter who they are or where they're from, no matter what it costs us. We're called to reach the hurting. Today as we reach our, lift our hands today across this place, I ask us to pray for, the, for, for, for God to allow us to be, see the, our need for us. Let us reach others in life today that's around us. Lord, I ask you to touch each one of us today. Lord, I ask you right now to minister through us, Lord Jesus, to the hurting hearts of this world. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to touch each individual here today. Lord Jesus, I ask you to put a burden in their life for, to reach hurting hearts, Lord. Reach others, Lord, the ones that belong in the kingdom, Lord Jesus. I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, I ask you to touch the remainder part of this service, Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, anoint, Lord Jesus, the ministry, the singers, Lord Jesus. And, and Lord Jesus, the evangelists today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to minister to every one of us today, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.